Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. So we have been in this series called Community, and it's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, It's meant to be very hands-on throughout each week. And this week, we are talking about testimonies and what that means and what that looks like. So throughout today, we have a couple of videos that will go along with this message. Um, The first one, Ashton, there you are, is Ashton's testimony. So put your eyes on the screen. My name's Ashton, I'm 21, and this is my story. So I grew up in Metamora, Illinois. Um, My parents divorced when I was really young. I was about two when they divorced. They are married for a short time. I have a sister, her name's Emily. She has a little little daughter. She is the cutest thing on earth. My dad didn't have a dad. My mom didn't have a dad either. My my dad grew up with a mom who was on drugs a lot of times. So I I thought as a kid that my mom and dad were just perfect and that they knew everything in the world. But I, looking back now, I realized that they were just people trying to lead children and they didn't know how. And I thought that. Having divorced parents was normal. Um, I thought that that's what everyone had. I didn't know that, you know, growing up now, I see there's people whose whose families have been together since they've been married before they had kids. And I didn't, I didn't even know, really, when I was a kid, I didn't know that was a thing. Like, did you ever have a moment that anyone even told you about God when you were a kid? No. I... See, that's the thing, like looking back now, I'm so just amazed that he was there the whole time because, I, and that's why I'm so passionate about like the youth thing because I feel like they need to know who he is and, you know, more importantly, who he is, not what he can do for you, but just like that there's ultimately a better way to live your life. So when was the first time you heard about Jesus? A big part of my testimony, honestly, is due to Ben Bachman. Um, I distinctly remember one time in high school, (laughs) there was a bunch of us football players sitting around and they were talking about this girl who wore a purity ring because she didn't want to have sex before marriage and everyone was like, oh, that's so lame, why would you do that, all this stuff, And, and Ben sat there and told them all about how like that's the coolest thing ever and that's what you should do and that's what we should all be doing and and I I just sat there and I was just kind of like amazed at what he said because I'd never heard that before and I was like I, I didn't know how a 17 year old boy would think that way really um, we were going to this gym together and he, he invited me to church and at the time this girl I was dating he invited both of us and we ended up going and I remember <clears throat> going in for the first time and I, I was like, whoa, like it was so much and I had never, I'd never experienced something like that and I'd never heard about Jesus or God or, or anything like that. So going in there, I, I remember distinctively seeing Ben raising his hands, worshiping and I was, I was just kind of in like awe at the fact that he was so unapologetically himself um, in front of me, even though he didn't know me well. I think I came back in that, that, that June of 2022, and the biggest thing that, that God had showed me was that the only person that would, the only person that would be there forever for me is, is him. <laughs> that, that he's the only person that could show me an unconditional love that my hope was placed in another human and that human could walk out on me whenever they 
whenever they wanted to. But he showed me that he wouldn't do that. He would never do that to me. So good. Can you tell me, because we're going to do clips, what has it meant to you, like you and Jason meeting with Phil? Because you guys have been doing that every once in a while, right? Okay, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, at the beginning of last year and into this year, it was the most time I've been just being in a full submission to God and seeking wisdom and knowledge. And, and Phil had actually reached out to me and Jason, I think it was a youth night, and asked if we would want to just meet random times whenever it worked out. And, and it has just been so, so helpful to have someone who walked before me so I could follow. Um, and I can take any to, any question to him and any silly, stupid question that I have no clue about. He'll he'll bring light to that and and just bring knowledge to that and how and how any question I have there's a biblical application to. What I would say to the person who comes to church alone. Please keep showing up. Um, the enemy will make you feel like you need to separate yourself from the church to find who you are. And that is the most far thing from the truth. You need to keep showing up for the community. See, like you will meet people who, who long for a relationship with you. Um, they'll want to know who you are. It will get easier in that sense. Um, The more you show up, the more people will will want to know who you are. Um, so what would you say to your younger self? So a kid who has divorced parents, um, a kid who didn't grow up with faith in the household, um, or grow up going to church at all, um, what would you say to that kid? Something that really continually sticks out to me is this, this uh, quote. Um, the faith of one can save an entire family. Yes. Ashton, that... Your testimony gets me. Um, what I would say to the person who comes to church alone, that used to be myself, and... When I sat and listened to you that day, I just had this thought of keep inviting your family and inviting your parents because someday it could be the 1,001st ask and it could be from somebody else. For me, my parents didn't come to church until I was 21 and they've been baptized and saved. And we value you and we're so thankful for each and every person that comes to church alone even though it's hard. So thanks for sharing your testimony today. Okay, so about a year and a half ago, I stepped down from being our kids pastor for seven years, um, and it was one of the highlights of my life, one of my biggest callings, aside from being a follower of Jesus and a wife and a mom that was really close up there. I loved it. I loved my job. I loved sharing Jesus with kids, but I remember just feeling like, okay, I'm going to have this gap once I quit. And just asking the Lord, okay, what comes next? Because if you don't know me, I don't sit still well. And I talked to my husband and I was like, well, I've always wanted to do video. Maybe, maybe I could look into video. Um, and my thinking was like, let's just get some old camera that I could use just for a little bit. I don't know if any of you guys know Dave Little. Um, he doesn't do simple tech or cheap. <laughs> that Christmas, I hadn't even quit yet. It wasn't my last day yet. But that Christmas, he got me a brand new computer, um, a camera beyond what I was expecting, lenses, a gimbal. He spent thousands of dollars on equipment for me. And 
I remember just being like, okay, this is the most that anybody I had felt that cared enough to put money and effort into something that I didn't even know if I was going to be that great at. I'm like, okay. So we got the camera. Um, in January 5th that year, we had our first baptisms. Did a little video, and I was like, okay, I like this. But what it has taught me is I get to see testimonies happen throughout every Sunday all the time. And testimonies are not just these big moments or big healings, but they're all the small things. They're the When I see someone who has a hard time praying in front of people and they come up and they pray for someone, or it's the small moments of like someone needing healing in a very specific way that wouldn't mean anything to anybody else but them. And I get to see it and I get to watch it through the lens. And it's, it's given me a new passion in life. And so when I thought like, okay, Lord, what is what is testimonies? What are they? I thought of this. A testimony is anything that will glorify or magnify God. It is a movement of God. Anything, big or small. And the Lord is so faithful and so kind because for those of you that don't know how our church functions, so we have a vision team meeting. Um, it's a few people that come together and we just say like, okay, what is the Lord going to speak to us throughout the next six months? That trickles down to teaching team meeting, which trickles down to the message that you hear today. So we had this planned months ago and little did I know that the Lord would be working a testimony in our family personally that we can share here today. So back in April, um, my husband and I, we have two kids, our daughter Cash and our son Kai, they are our sweet little miracle babies. I was actually in, <laughs> I was in Costco a few weeks ago and I had my kids in the car and we're walking around and this lady who works there, she's right next to me and she goes, man, I have to tell you, your kids have the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen. And I was like, oh, thank you. Like, it just makes your day when somebody compliments you, they don't know you. And so I'm like walking up a little taller and we take a few steps and she looks at me and she goes, they must get that from their father because they look nothing like you. And I was like, oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. David's like, that's me. If you see our kids, you'll be like, they're littles. I birth them and they come out looking like the dad, which is not a bad thing. Um, we love our kids. So our son is two and a half. And in April one Sunday, um, Kai, Kairos is his name, which means the appointed time and the purpose of God had woken up and he was screaming. It was in the morning we were getting ready to head to church and David came to me and said he was holding his belly and he was saying, daddy, kiss it, daddy, fix it. And we just thought like, okay, two-year-olds, probably just gassy, whatever. Went to church, they called us out because he was screaming off and on. We had baptisms that day. Um, church went till 1 p.m. and my mom said the same thing, like he's screaming, this is you know, not normal. And at this point we were like, okay, maybe he does have some sort of something. Went home and we quickly realized this screaming that he was having was happening every 20 to 30 minutes like clockwork. Um, and it had only been a few hours of this, but they happened, another episode happened in the car and I almost wrecked it because I, when your son is in pain, it's, it's, or your kid, it's one of the worst feelings. So we get home and we're thinking like, okay, maybe it'll stop in the night continues throughout the night. He sleeps in our bed. Um, we did not sleep. We go into Monday to make a long story short. Every time I say long story short, my husband's like, you never make it short. I'm like, oh, sorry. Okay. It continued Monday into the night. Um, I remember looking at my husband. It was Monday night. I slept on the couch and I was like, okay, if this happens two more times, I'm going to take him in. Continued. We took him in. Um, we actually went to the hospital that my mom works at. Little did we know they don't accept um, kids there. So they did an x-ray. didn't see much. And he had said it could be this one word that I couldn't even remember at the time. Went home, got some sleep, still happening. Dropped my daughter off with a lot of friends that were so gracious to be like, hey, take your son to the hospital. Um, so we take him into OSF. And I remember thinking... Like, Lord, let him have these episodes at the appointed time every step of the way. Because we got there when he was normal. He would just be talking, 
completely fine. Like, you would look at him and think, okay, he's not sick. And then 20 minutes would come, and he would scream. He would, like, hunch his body over, saying, Mommy, Daddy, fix it. So the nurses see this, and the ER at the time was just flooded. It was so full, they didn't have a room for us. So we sit in the emergency room, continues to happen. They come and get us, take him to do an x-ray, and he's standing there, and he's like, he's doing this. And I was like, okay. Wasn't bad. Still continues. They take us to to do a sono for him. And the nurse looked at me and she said it would be the perfect moment for him to have an episode while he's doing the sonogram. Um, And I just remember thinking, they're only going to do one. And so they call us back and I'm looking at my watch and I'm like, okay, I think it's been like close to 20 minutes. Okay. So we're sitting there and um, she's looking at his belly. He was fine. And then he had one. And that started the moment for me um, of difficulty because we had to hold him down on the table while she's looking at this and he's screaming. And so he has two adults holding him, pinning him to a table basically. And I could tell on the look on her face, like, okay, she found something. Um, And so she kind of went to her desk and she leaned over and she said, does he have an IV? And I said, no. And immediately I knew. Um, So they took us to a separate room and the um, pediatric surgeon came to us and said he has something called intussusception. And what that is, is where his colon meets his small intestine. Ileocecal valve, is that the thing, Mom? Okay, I don't know medical terms. Where his small intestine meets his colon, they were folding into one another. And what this is, is what he was having. Every 20 to 30 minutes, he's going to be screaming. It's the worst pain that he's had in his life. And so he's explaining this, and he's like, we're going to do a procedure. He's going to be awake. We can't numb him. He's going to feel it. And if this doesn't work, then we'll get to surgery. Um, and oddly enough, not oddly enough, it's Jesus. We were calm throughout the process and just thankful they found what was wrong. So we took him up to, I think it was radiology, I believe. I think that's what this is, Isaac Schaefer. Is that radiology, x-ray, is it the same thing? Okay, sure. So we're in a room and they tell us, you know, you can have a parent in there. Um, and I'm thinking like, okay, if he's going to be in pain, one of us needs to be in there. And throughout this whole process, he had already, in addition, need to be held down for a blood draw, other tests. Um, he had bruises, marks on his legs from adults holding him down. So we get to this room, and they got me vested up, and they started taking off his clothes to put him in his gown. And he just started screaming, Mommy. and. Um, I knew in that moment, like, in in that moment, I felt like I wasn't built for it. And so I looked at the doctor and I said, I need my husband. So he went and we swapped out. Um, Thankfully, we had another friend there. Jared was there. And it was a complete gift from God that you were there, Jared. We sat in a waiting room. And immediately, as a mom, you know your son's cry. And as I'm sitting down this hallway, he's just screaming and you can hear that and so a nurse came out and said the doctor wants you to go down and around the corner um it'll be better for you I was like okay I agreed and even down around the corner um they took pauses every few minutes but um I could still hear him screaming and he's two you know he doesn't know what's going on and so in that moment I'm sitting there feeling all the emotions and I notice David's phone rings I have his phone my husband And it's Heather. Um, She's one of our good friends. And so I answer it. Don't even remember a lot of that conversation that day, honestly. Um, But I will never forget. She just started praying what she said. She said, Father, I pray right now that Kai, Kairos Little, would be able to see into our Heavenly Father's eyes and that you would bring him peace. It's the only thing I remember from that conversation. And that brought me peace. And within... That procedure was about 30 minutes. They came and got me. He's screaming, Mommy. I grab him. Um, So we get back to the post-op room, and David looks at me, and he goes, oh, I have to tell you about this moment um, that I had with Kai. Our son loves the song Waymaker. And David said, I grabbed his face in the middle of this procedure, and I just started singing Waymaker to him because he normally sings along. 
And as they're doing the procedure, David said, he just locked eyes with me. And he just kind of took a deep breath and stopped crying for a moment. And I looked at him and I just started sobbing because we say this often in our church, but um, what happens in the physical often is a representation of what's happening in the spiritual. And I fully believe that in that moment where my son was looking into his physical father's eyes during the time that Heather was praying, God, would he be able to look into our heavenly father's eyes? That is what was coinciding together. And I'm so thankful for the people that we have fighting for us, praying with us, contending for us. I will never forget that moment, Heather, if you hear this. So we had the procedure done. We were able to go home. Sorry, a lot of sniffing going on. Okay. That week, um, in addition to that week, our car, got to think of all the things that happened, um, got a nail in our tire. We were stuck on the side of 74 for a while. Two weeks before that, we all had the flu. That week also, my step-grandmother passed away, so I had a funeral to go to. We couldn't go to... Um, which this is a first world problem, really. My husband got us anniversary tickets to a concert um, that we were able to go to. And the last thing that kind of did it in was our sewer pipes in our basement backed up. And honestly, it was just a lot of poop stuff going on. Like, our son, in addition, hadn't, after the procedure, pooped. And not, I can just see you guys leaving and someone being like, what did you talk about in church today? Poop. Like, this just, it was a lot. But he hadn't, he hadn't gone, number two. Um, and so even though he was physically healed, he was still in a lot of pain. And so when we came home and noticed, like, okay, our basement, you can imagine what it smelled like in the water. It just, it honestly kind of did us in. All of this happened in a week. But here's, here's a few things that I've learned. Number one, what I had just said often is that things that happen in the physical often are a reflection of the spiritual. And thank you for the tissues. <laughs> thank you once Here's what I also mean by this. During that week, our son's pipes were backed up and our basement pipes were backed up. And I remember looking at David and we had a um, plumber come on a Saturday night. It was like 10 p.m. I remember locking eyes with him and just saying like, okay, there's got to be a demonic spirit that we're missing here. Like we've prayed against the spirit of fear. We prayed against the spirit of infirmity. There's, there's something that we are missing and I don't know what it is. So he's down in the basement trying to get all that fixed. I play worship music. I'm on the floor, and I say out loud, Lord, what demonic spirit is this? And within seconds, I hear the sound of a snake. And I don't get audible sounds often. Um, the Lord speaks to me in dreams. But I heard it, and my human thinking was like, okay, devil, snake, like that's probably just, you know, your first go-to. Within five seconds of me hearing that sound, my phone rings, and I remember picking it up, and it was my dad, and I was kind of, like, annoyed of, like, oh, I'm trying to, to have this moment with Jesus, and I wasn't going to answer. I put it back down, and Cash, my daughter, our daughter, picked up her phone, and you hear a swipe, and she goes, Papa, we got poop water, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Within two seconds of that, my dad, I can hear him, says, oh, do you want me to bring over my snake for the toilet? And I grabbed the phone and I said, what did you say? And he said, do you want me to bring over my snake? I was like, I got to go. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. <laughs> I got to go. And so I knew that was the Lord confirming that spirit. But I remember asking David, like, okay, what spirit is connected to a snake, spirit of python? Didn't know much about it. So we FaceTime Chris and Heather. They pray over us, and we're just kind of talking about it. And if you don't know what the spirit of python is, it is is a demonic spirit that will try to constrict the anointing oil of God in your life. So if you ever feel constricted, whether it's your voice, um, the anointing in your home, often it can be the spirit of python. And what our family has learned, the spirit of python and the spirit of fear can be in tandem together. So they pray. I take our son Kai um, to his room, and I'm rocking him 
And I grab his head as tight as I can, and I say, Father, I rebuke the demonic spirit of Python right now in the name of Jesus. And he's never said this before, never responded to this before. And out of his mouth comes, yes. And I was like, okay, okay. And so for five minutes, I just kept rebuking that spirit. And every time out of his mouth, he's two, he goes, yes. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. This is a two-year-old confirming that this is the spirit and he wants it out of him. And can I tell you, Kai, our son to this day, all the time, he just, it started his prayer life. He'll start praying and half the time it doesn't make sense. You hear Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. The other night he woke me up. He was crying and I was like, okay, what do you, what's wrong? And he goes, Kai, Kai, pray just a minute. And I don't know if you have a two-year-old, but when your two-year-old looks at you and goes, just a minute, you're like, I'll give you money. You do want $1,000? What do you want? So I pick him up, and I was thinking, like, okay, like, he's been praying lately. What, what do you want to pray for? Are you scared? And that night, he prayed for rubble from Paw Patrols and the drone that we got. And he's like, I kissed it. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. I was like, okay. But aside from praying, praying for drones, it, it literally... We will hear him praying all the time now. And so it got me thinking, number one, sometimes the things that cause us the most pain is the very foundation that God will launch his ministry off of. My son had to walk through that pain of that procedure for whatever reason, and God took it for his glory and launched his ministry off of it. And he's two. I believe fully that he can see into the spiritual realm now. He can feel things when he walks into a room. I can't even explain it. Um, but I believe this for each and every one of us, that sometimes there is a purpose and a work that God wants to do in you to launch his ministry off of. Number two, if you don't know what demonic spirit is coming after you, your family, ask the Lord. If is it, it if it is, in fact, a demonic spirit, he will reveal it to you. Sometimes it's not. Um, sometimes it can be self-pity. <laughs> it's not always a demonic spirit, but if it is, the Lord is so kind, he will reveal it to you. Third one. If you want to gain territory in the kingdom of God over an event in your life, call someone who has conquered it before. You want a better marriage? Call someone whose marriage you respect. Have them pray over you. You want healing? Call someone who has dealt with that same thing and conquered it. Have them speak over your life. You have a spirit of fear of your kids? Call someone who's conquered fear. It can go on and on. I'm actually going to call a few people up on the stage right now, and they don't know. And by people, I mean kids, young men. Can Cross come up? And can Joel come up? Neither one of them know I'm going to do this. Yeah, you can give a round of applause. Come on this side. Okay. So these boys, you guys won't be saying anything, I promise. Cross is like, don't give me the mic. These boys, when Kai was going through this, um, I don't know how many of you know this, but Crosley, he went through the same procedure, right? Heights, yeah. When he was a baby, went through the same procedure. Um, and I remember feeling like, okay. You have conquered this, even though you're a baby. Your body has conquered it. You have the authority to speak over my son. And um, Heidi had sent us a voice note throughout that week. He still had not gone to the bathroom. It had been nine days. And we prayed over Kai. And that Sunday, you grabbed him. And I wasn't even around. I saw you just holding his hands and praying over him. And that will always mean more to me than you will ever know, because I've known you since you were a baby. And so having one of my kids that I've walked alongside with in kids ministry pray over my son was the most beautiful thing. And that same day, Joel, you may not remember this, but here's why it touches me. After you prayed, um, it was a few minutes later, but Joel grabbed his hand and just started prophesying over Kai. Speaking healing, claiming healing, and prophesying healing. And here's why it, it means more to me than anything. Joel has diabetes and is not fully healed yet. And yet the Lord will heal you. Even though he's not walking in his full healing yet, he was claiming healing over my son. And Joel, I will never 
He's a hook. I will never forget that either. And one more person, because I hope she listens to this, Jules, Juliet Taves. Um, she has walked through a season of fear over her life. And she was one of the first people, I actually text Heather and said, I feel like we're supposed to um, have Jules pray over him as well, specifically for the spirit of fear. She did a very similar thing, sent a voice note, um, praying and prophesying over Kai to defeat that. Last thing I will say, kids are not too young to speak, claim healing, prophesy, and pray over anybody, okay? Thank you. Love you guys. Love you, Joel. Okay. They're great. Call someone next time you want to defeat something. It's worth it. And maybe the most important thing that I learned through this is that we have got to start living in the authority that God has given us. If we are followers of Christ, we have a right as heirs to Christ to call the kingdom of heaven to this earth in any moment, in any situation. And this, this next portion, it's got me fired up. In Romans 9, it says, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we share in his glory, we also share in his suffering. And so I thought like, okay, keep that up for a little bit. I thought, what does the word heir mean? It means this, a person legally entitled to the property or rank of another on that per person's death. We have a legal right to heaven because there was a death. His name is Jesus. He has conquered everything for us. And because of his death, we have a legal right to God's glory straight from heaven. And so I started thinking this and I read, started reading this book. I read half of a chapter and I stopped because it was so phenomenal. And I wanted this message to be from God and not, there's nothing wrong from preaching from a book. Um, but one night I read this and there was a purpose in it. And it says this, God's kingdom is not a democracy. It is a kingdom with a king. The authority of this king flows down throughout the kingdom and all his people who operate under that authority. Two stories I want to share. I read that. The next morning, our friend Katie sent a group text to um, some of us girls asking, they're going, um, they have a son that they, there you guys are, um, Ted, Teddy, we absolutely love him. Look at him. Come on. Um, and they've been in a battle to get him fully adopt. And this was kind of like one of their last pieces. They wanted that day, the, their mother, was a his biological mom's rights, right? Okay. So she's asking for prayer, and I sent her a voice note. The night before I'd read this, I sent her this clip, and I said, you have a kingdom right for Teddy to be legally yours in the name of Jesus. That day they went into court. The mother signed her rights away, um, and it was, and it happened quicker and faster than what she had anticipated. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, maybe like we got, we got this authority thing going on. And two other things confirmed it. One, when our son hadn't gone to the bathroom in nine days, that was a lot. Poor Kai listening to this someday, just me talking about his poop. I grabbed his head and I said, it is your kingdom right that you are to live in full health, son. The next morning, he started going. And so again, I'm just like, okay, Lord, like I'm feeling this. And um, last week, I got permission from Crystal to share this. Um, if you don't know Crystal and Craig, they are phenomenal. And they, they have been waiting and longing for their miracle baby. Um, I won't share every detail of your story because it's yours to share, but she ended up having a surgery this past um, winter and it was successful and they are currently pregnant. And last week, um, she was sitting on the floor. I went up to her and said, okay, what's going on? She sent me a text that week just saying she started to bleed a little. The baby was still okay. But as you can imagine, as a woman, I know what that's like. Fear can creep in. So I'm listening to her last week, and I grabbed her, and I said, you have a kingdom right for you to live in full health, 
for this baby to live in full health, and you have a kingdom right to no longer bleed right now in the name of Jesus. And would you know it, she stopped bleeding last Sunday. Last Sunday morning. Thank you, Jesus. And here's the thing. This is not a Taylor Little thing. It's not me. There's so many people praying for Katie and my son and Crystal. This is a Jesus Christ thing. And we all have that authority from the kingdom of heaven to speak and prophesy and to declare these things. And the sooner we realize we have rights as heirs of Jesus Christ and we have that authority, God can move in massive ways. A kingdom is a state or government having a king or queen as its head. We have a king, and his name is Jesus, and we are his heirs. So I started looking up, like, we've heard the um, term citizenship. The Bible talks about it a lot. So there are a few verses in the Bible that talk about this. Philippians 3, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13, for here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking a city which is to come. John 14, in my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I prepare a place for you to go. Revelation talks about it a lot, but 21, I saw a holy city in New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned by her husband. Ephesians 2, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with saints and are of God's household. So I read these verses and I thought, okay, we are citizens of heaven. We have an inheritance that far outweighs the wealth on earth. We are heirs of Christ. We have a kingdom and we have a seat at his table. And I just immediately, I felt like, okay, citizenship. I want to relate this to our government. This isn't like a political talk, so don't check out. We are citizens of the United States. Yes, Yes, okay, <laughs> good. There are laws that we have to follow. You can't just go running around willy-nilly breaking laws. If you do, there are consequences called prison, okay. We have a citizenship in the US. You have a home, you have rights. So I looked it up and I read this. You cannot be deported to your country or former citizenship or nationality. You'll just have as much of rights as any other American to live and work in the United States. And I immediately thought, we all had a former country a former home, and it was a life without God. And then I thought, okay, look at it this way. As an American, we have laws that we have to follow. Don't break the laws. Again, prison, not good. We have laws to follow, but if you follow those laws, you get the freedoms that come with our country, correct? Yes, okay. So just like in our country, as Christians, we have laws that we are to to obey. I would call them the Ten Commandments. After Jesus came, those Ten Commandments got even more precise. Um, this does not mean there, that there's not grace in there. Of course, we mess up every day. We all fall short of the glory of God. But I fully believe if we follow these laws to the best of our abilities, we have the freedoms of God that will come down in a way that we can't possibly imagine. With obeying the laws of God comes the freedoms of God. Seek first the kingdom and all will be added. And if I could have you guys leaving here today with anything, it is the phrase, it is your kingdom right to. It is your kingdom right to live in full health. It is your kingdom right to have a healthy marriage. Um, Rhett Boy isn't in here, but it is his kingdom right that he is to live in full health and to have no longer have any skin issues. Katie and Thomas, it is your kingdom right that your son will be legally yours. And you know what? I'm claiming that it's expedited before December when his next appointment comes. It is your kingdom right that you are no longer to bleed anymore and you have a healthy baby. Um, Joel and Kip, it is your kingdom right that you guys will be healed from diabetes in the name of Jesus, that both of you are to walk in full health. Heidi, is your kingdom right that you no longer have migraines? The list can go on and on and on. And if we have that authority, if I could leave, if you guys could leave here today knowing anything, it is remember, I have a kingdom right too. And I also thought it can be easy to feel discouraged if we watch the news. There's a lot going on. 
as I was driving this week, I did a voice note. Um, I heard this from the Holy Spirit. We don't just live on earth. We live in a kingdom under the authority of a king, and his name is Jesus. So we should go around just claiming that authority. I don't care if someone speaks a bad word over you. Reject it in the name of Jesus. Say, I have a kingdom right to X, Y, and Z. People might think you're nuts, but it's fine. People want you to live lukewarm because they want to feel lukewarm around you. They want to be comfortable, but we are not called to be comfortable. And, and I'm speaking to myself. There are things that people say to me or family members um, that I don't sit with, and so I often just don't say anything. But when we use our voice out loud to not just rebuke those things, but, hey, I have a kingdom right to actually not be what you said that I am. If you want a testimony in your life or over a situation, start claiming what is legally yours. And I, I want to have a little side note. This does not mean that God is your genie. This doesn't mean that, okay, if you leave here today and you just start claiming things, that you're going to get every single thing on the timing that you want. Because sometimes the, there's purpose in the delay. There's purpose in the hurt. God wants to do work in you and the pain more than he wants to heal you in that moment sometimes. So I don't want you to think that our God is a genie because he's not. And sometimes some things are just left to the mystery of God, and that's okay. Okay, so we have something really cool coming up, and I am passionate about it, and I'm excited. Um, we're going to have a QR code come up, and this QR code is going to be up here every week before service. What this is is we're getting ready to launch a testimonial ministry. Oh, thank you, Craig. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You like, give me confidence. Okay. So as you know, this is not, I, I, let me say this. You can keep it up. Um, these testimonies that we're going to start recording, they're not, they may never be shown. They may just be for our team. They may be for our church. Some may turn into a bigger thing. It could turn into a video like you saw. They won't always be that. But God has been doing so much through our church that think of it like a digital diary. We want to know all the things that God has done in your life. I don't care if it's a small thing. You know what? Wow, can't even speak. Scan that code. It'll send to my email. And what we're going to do is once a month, if you send a testimony in, we're going to meet up pre or post service, and we're going to start videoing them. Sometimes they could turn into stories, but we never know. But I believe the Lord is working so faithfully and so quickly that we want to remember all of these moments. So throughout your week, even if it's something you have testimony for your kid, I don't care if they're babies. We want to know about it. Um, so scan this, save this. It'll be up every week pre-service, and we want to hear about your testimonies. Okay, we have one more testimony for today, so keep your eyes on the screen. I'm Ethan Ely, I'm 30 years old, and this is my story. Grew up in a little small town about uh, 30 minutes north of Peoria here. Uh, grew up on my uh, family farm, uh, helping on the farm all my life. And just, uh, yeah, helping my dad and my grandpa uh, farm uh, corn and soybeans. And I've been going to the church uh, my whole life. Um, I remember it was a Christmas program uh, at Riverside. I think I was nine years old. Um, and that's when, uh, at the end of the service, uh, Pastor King had had an uh, altar call. And I just kind of felt myself walking up there and gave my life to the Lord. Uh, two years after I graduated college in 2015 from Western Illinois University, um, then it was, yeah, it would have been 2017, and I was back uh, working on the farm, and it was uh, March 27th, um, and it would have been after school. My younger brother, Braden, um, who he was also very uh, actually gifted on the farm, uh, he was maybe even more talented at driving the machinery than I was in the afternoon, and um, 
after school and he just was not coming home on the time he usually does. Me and my dad were uh, outside on our patio and saw the cop drive in and uh, my Braden, my brother Braden had been uh, in an accident and uh, had hit a semi and he had went to be with Jesus. So that uh, was definitely, uh, I mean, our lives got flipped upside down at that time. I remember my mom talking with the sheriff and I'll never forget the words uh, that she said that um, she was like, well, we're going to praise God in the good and we're going to praise God in the bad. And uh, so I've, I've always stuck with that. And uh, I mean, she's just been an example of grace through everything that we've been through. We, uh, my mom was like, she instantly wanted to go pray over his body and, you know, pray for him because, you know, we're called to uh, heal, heal the sick and, and, and raise the dead. So for three days after um, he had passed, she went and uh, prayed for him at the exact time of his accident every day. And on the third day, um, we all, all of us family, uh, went to the uh, funeral home. And I remember uh, a lot of the Bennett family was there. Heather and Heidi and all their families were there with us. And people had guitars and drums, and we were having like a full-on worship service in the uh, in the funeral home. The funeral director probably thought we were lunatics. Uh, we were, I mean, we were just doing what we were called to do. And we were, I mean, we were believing for a miracle for brain to be raised back from the dead. Um, and as we were praying for a while, and it just kind of came a, uh, a sense of just kind of peace over everybody um, that uh, he wasn't coming back to life. Um, but uh, it actually wasn't really a uh, prayer of brain being back brought back to life, but it was actually uh, me that was uh, being brought back to life and being resurrected because I'd kind of fallen away from the Lord uh, through my later high school and college years. The Sunday after that, that next would have been four days after that, uh, on that Sunday after my brother's funeral, uh, we had our first uh, church service uh, there at the high school in the cafeteria. And on Easter um, of that year, so it would have been, it was right around a month after my brother passed away is when I got baptized at, at Riverside Community Church. And through that, I've got baptized and, and, you know, was brought back to life. And um, we've started a church, uh, the Gathering Church in Wyoming, um, about 40 minutes north of here. And that has literally organically all started from, I mean, my brother always dreamt of, of kind of, my little brother always dreamt of starting a church. He was always, uh, after Sundays at Riverside, he would always go home and uh, like set up chairs and act like he was preaching like Pastor King. And so, and he always uh, just had a heart for all of his friends at school, uh, just wanted them to hear uh, God's word preached, which got, that promise got fulfilled on his, uh, on his funeral at the high school. Leading into uh, a story about my dad, Brian, um, in I think it was 2009 or 2008, um, he was diagnosed with prostate cancer, and that was would have been when I was in high school, um, and he uh, went right away and did um, got some treatments done, and it was relatively quick that he got rid of it all. In 2018, in the fall during harvest season, I just remember uh, there was a lot of times where my dad was just kind of feeling uh, tired a lot more. Mom took him to the doctor, and they had saw that uh, the cancer was back, and it was maybe a little more aggressive than what it was before. So, like October of uh, 2019, he got uh, really sick, and um, he had been... Um, he had to go to the ICU in the hospital, um, and uh, it had spread pretty, pretty rapidly. Uh, there was actually a day there um, that uh, the doctor said that he wouldn't make it through the night, 
And so the whole time he was in the ICU, I had been staying there at night. And then that was in October is harvest time at the farm. So um, I was um, staying there with him at night and then I would come back to the farm during the day. The life on the farm, it was just kind of us in the family that would be working on the farm. And uh, my grandpa was older and retired, had retired in 2018. And my dad was sick and we had lost my brother Braden. So I had to uh, hire out some friends uh, to come and help me. And none of them had ever been on a harvest before. So um, not only was I kind of taking over all the management of the farm, but I was training new people. And then on top of it, uh, it was when my dad was super sick. So that was just a very uh, hard time uh, in my life. And he progressively got good enough to where um, he was able to come home. And uh, he was on uh, like the hospice after that, but uh, we were able to get uh, six more months with him. Uh, just those six months were so great of just being able to um, just have all the important talks that you want to have with one of your loved ones and um, just tell them you love them every day. So then, yeah, it was uh, May 23rd of 2020 uh, when he passed away. So he was able to to go and be with the Lord very peacefully. And um, I know that uh, he was just longing to be with, with Braden again um, and be reunited with him. And um, so now they're able, you know, to be up there in heaven together farming away and uh, getting the farm ready for me whenever the Lord calls me home. Then it would have been in uh, early 2022 and um, Heidi had put on uh, social media, I think maybe Instagram, uh, that they were going to be uh, starting a young adult group here at 214. And, and I, then, uh, yeah, just seeing all the um, all the blessings that God's given me uh, through uh, just going after him and just resting in him. I mean, I've met some uh, just amazing godly friends who are encouraging. And uh, not only that, but through that, uh, I've met my uh, future wife, uh, Brianna, and we met at the collective and uh, started dating in July. And then um, just about a month ago, I proposed to her and she said yes. So that is just, uh, just so grateful to God for uh, just bringing her into my life. And uh, we'll be getting married in uh, June. So I'm just super excited for that and can't wait. I've got uh, a few loved ones, um, my dad and my brother, um, up in heaven now. Uh, Farming away and with Jesus uh, also just gives you perspective on, um, you know, being angry or, or anything like that. Like, it's it's not worth it at all. Like, um, there's just so much more uh, joy being in the Lord to be had um, because, you know, we want that, you know, ultimate uh, saying that, you know, you've, uh, you know, well done, uh, my good and faithful servant. So, um you know, it definitely makes me excited uh, for heaven. I mean, I'm definitely excited to live my life out here on earth as long as God has me, but uh, I, I can't wait uh, to get to be with uh, Jesus and just get to see my loved ones again. Ethan, can we give a round of applause for Ethan? I know that was not the easiest testimony to share, but I'm really, really thankful. Um, it took a lot of courage, and um, I know that that will touch somebody someday, if not here in this room right now. So thank you for sharing your testimony. So a really cool thing happened with this testimony. Not cool, but then it got cool. <laughs> That's a phrase. I don't know. Put that on a t-shirt or something. Not cool, got cool. Okay. Um, so while I was editing his video, got it all done, went to export it, which is another word for save, and it wouldn't export. I spent more hours trying to get his video exported than I did editing it. Probably spent around 25 hours trying to get this video to save. Something was wrong, could not figure it out. 
my friend Ilea, who's really into, um, she's amazing at videography. I had her come over. She was like, I've never seen this happen. And immediately I'm sitting there. I'm like, of course, the devil does not want to show this. So throughout this week that I was trying to get it saved, I got really discouraged. When you put a lot of effort into something, and I'm thinking like, okay, I might not get this saved. It might not show. Um, had to redo about half of it. We got it fixed. Here's the cool part. There was a delay in getting it saved. I'm friends with his sister, and she had known that we were doing this video. So the day I finally got it saved, I let it sit a little. I was watching it. Um, his sister's name is Jenna. And I sent her a text just saying, hey, the video's done. I want to send it to you today. Let me know what you think. I'm sending it to your brother, too. And then I sent this long text because I'm a perfectionist. And so if there's anything wrong with it, you know, it was like, but there's this and this and this wrong. And I had trouble saving it. So sorry if it's not blah, blah, blah. Sent it to her. And she goes, Taylor, today is the day. How many years ago did your dad pass away? Three? Okay. Today is the day three years ago that my dad passed away. The day I sent it to her. And so... It just, that probably wouldn't have spoke to anybody else but to me in that moment. And again, when there is a delay, sometimes there's a purpose in it. And so I got to send it to Ethan's mom to share it with her and her sister. And I just, thank you, Lord. Even though sometimes things are hard and there's a delay, thank you, Father. So I want to share this um, dream that I had back in December of this year. I, I would like to think that one of the gifts the Lord has given me is dreams, um, dream often. And I remember it being a big enough dream that I woke up and I was like, I have to write this down. So I'm going to ask that everyone close your eyes. It's a very descriptive dream. And I just want you to imagine just for a moment what this would look like. I dreamt that I was in heaven standing in front of man that I knew was Jesus. And the only thing that I was fixated on was his face. And I looked down, and what I saw was the floor room of heaven. And I saw this massive timeline, something very futuristic, like picture Tron, if you've ever seen Tron. Wild. And I knew, because dreams are dreams, I knew that that timeline was a representation of the fruits of the Spirit that I had in my life. And I also knew that everybody has a timeline on the floor room of heaven that represents the fruit of the Spirit that is in your life. We all have it. And Jesus can see it. He can step on it. He can walk on it. And here's what I saw. I saw what started out with, it was all green, all greenery, a little bit of growth, and then there was maybe a gap. And then there was a lot of growth. Picture like jungle, trees, greenery. And then it would kind of dwindle down again. And then there were a few flatlining moments. Picture like if you've ever seen at a hospital when someone flatlines, it's just straight. And I knew like, okay, those gaps weren't great. And then it would go back up again. And I want to look this up because... I want to get the words right. The only thing that Jesus spoke to me after I knew I was seeing my timeline, he locked eyes with me and said, look at this growth. It is beautiful. And here's what I knew in that dream. I knew that as humans, we would look at the stagnant part of our timeline and where there's little growth that we would judge ourselves for that. There would be guilt and shame from the moments in our lives that we don't have a lot of fruit. If you don't know what fruit is, it is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And we all have those seasons. Whether it's there's a death or there's a struggle and you pull away from Jesus. He can see them. But here's the beautiful part. We all have flatlining moments but the eyes of Jesus didn't even flinch in those moments. It did not made him, make him flinch. He knows everything. There is no shame for Jesus if you pull away from him for a little bit. 
there's no shame for Jesus if you are struggling and you're lacking the fruit in your lives, but there is pride in his eyes when you turn back to him. When you get that love back, that joy back, peace, patience, kindness, and it is all on the forum of heaven. And I wish you could have seen it because it was beautiful. So I'm going to pray. And if there is anything here this morning that you want to claim that authority back in your life, whatever it is, over whatever situation, come up and bring it to the feet of Jesus. Maybe you're lacking fruit in your life. Know that he doesn't flinch. He is not judging you. There's no shame or guilt. There's only pride when you turn back to him. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, God. We thank you for testimony after testimony. We thank you for what you are doing at our church, God. We thank you that there's so many things that you're doing that we want to create a ministry out of it so that we can capture the captivating movements that you are doing throughout the body of Christ. This is not a Church 214 thing or a Taylor Little thing. It is a Jesus thing. And so, God, I pray right now that if anyone can learn anything this morning, God, that it is that they know that they have the authority of the kingdom of heaven to claim anything over their lives that is good and that is of you, God. And that if they are struggling, that they stop, they bind and rebuke it, they ask you what demonic spirit this is. And they say, I have a kingdom right to X, Y, and Z. And we thank you that you don't even flinch, Father. We thank you for the pride that you have in your eyes when we turn back to you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.